All right, well, welcome again. This morning we are in uh, yet another week of our series on biblical counseling issues, and we're going to talk about depression. And I want to say from the start, I'm kind of nervous to talk about this in the sense that it's a very, it can be a hot button issue, it can be stigmatized, and and I know that even, even in speaking about something like depression, it, I could open myself up to misunderstanding from multiple angles. So I'm going to do my best, though. Um, and, and I also want to say I, I, part of my desire is to talk about this in a way that would be encouraging and that would provide hope for especially, yeah, people in here who have, who have gone through seasons of deep sadness, despair, depression, whatever you want to call it, um, because we... We do not need to grieve without hope. We have, we have the hope of being with God in the new heavens and the new earth one day where he will wipe away every tear. And we don't have, we're not guaranteed that, that we won't have suffering or trials in this life, but we are guaranteed his, his presence and, and ultimate and final deliverance. So I want to I want to also say that when I when I talk about depression this morning I'm I'm mostly going to be using a very expansive and broad definition. Um, I'm not just talking about what could be characterized as clinical depression. I'm also you know trying to speak to any any believer who who's had seasons of of sadness or um, despair. I. I want to recognize that as, as sinners who suffer, like we're sinners and sufferers, we live in a fallen world, and we're all going to go through difficult times and periods of, of loss or sadness. And so, so much of what we talk about today, I hope, is going to be applicable, even if you're like, well, I've never been diagnosed with depression. Um, that's okay. This, this should still help. And we're gonna we're gonna unpack this a lot more later, but I also wanna from the get go say that when I talk about depression, I don't I don't want us to think that it's either merely a sin issue or merely a physical issue. I think it could certainly be primarily one of those things, but it's almost never that simple. We are we are fallen both body and soul. We're not just brains on a stick. Um, God has created us both body and soul, and we live in a world full of pain and disease, weakness. We're going to be sinned against, and so, so we are. There, there are many, many factors that go into this. And I also want to say that although depression is not always. It is not always, maybe usually not, merely a sin issue in the sense that someone is depressed merely because they are lacking in faith or in sin. Depression is always a sin issue in the sense that it's a Genesis 3 issue. What I mean by that is depression is always a sin issue in the sense that ultimately the reason we get depressed is thanks to the fall. It's thanks to the first sin of our father, Adam, and the entrance of sin and brokenness into the world. Because of that, we all have a sin nature. We sin both willfully and in our ignorance. And we are prone to mental and physical disease and weakness. And so we can't necessarily always point to a simplistic, Sin, personal sin cause of depression, but we can certainly point to the gen, the Genesis three sense. Like at, at the end of the day, we should we should sorrow um, and and lament that we live in a fallen world, and it's it's not as things should be. Um, and that's why our hope must be in God's ultimate provision of Christ, who will who will reverse the curse fully and finally when He comes back. So before we even start to talk about more specifics, I want to, you, you can turn to Revelation 21 if you'd like. I'm going to just read, I'm going to read verses 3 and 4, because I think this, this, is, 
this helps orient us as we talk about this because we have a profound hope that our depression and sorrow will never get the final word. So, brothers and sisters, hear hear this promise of the new heavens and new earth in Revelation 21, starting in verse 3. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Amen. All right, so looking at your notes, we're going to start talking about understanding depression. I want to start out in uh, reading Proverbs 18.14 real quick. It says, A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? What, what I'm getting at here is that depression is more than just feeling a bit down. We are, we're all going to go through, you know, even daily ups and downs of emotions. But when we talk about depression, generally, it's, it's much more prolonged and much more intense than that. And I think that this proverb points to that category, the category of a crushed spirit. When we talk about, I, I don't think this is on your notes, but also when, when we talk about kind of like clinical depression or a major depressive disorder, that, that would include five or more of the following symptoms. So I'm just going to read these real quick, and um, you, know, you, you can think about them maybe if you or someone you know has, has experienced some of them. This is what would be more termed like a potential major depressive disorder. So that would include a depressed mood most of the day, um, a markedly diminished interest or pleasure in almost all activities throughout the day could could be there could be significant weight loss or weight gain there could be either inability to fall asleep or inability to stay awake there could be um, like loss of persistent loss of energy throughout the day feelings of worthlessness or inappropriate guilt diminished ability to think or concentrate um, along with indecisiveness and there could also be recurrent thoughts of death or the idea of committing suicide without a specific plan so those are those are some symptoms that would be characteristic of what what could be termed more like a major depressive disorder or clinical depression um, and this is this is also as, as difficult as this topic can be to address, it's, it's extremely important. I, in, in preparing for this, I, I found that depression, can, um, depending on how you define it, it affects as, as much as 25% of the population. And this wasn't as surprising to me, but apparently one in five adults in America report having some kind of mental health condition. And there's plenty of people who, who report that within the church as well. Also, it's important to recognize, I think, that some people are just because of their personality or... Can you repeat those Yeah, are you talking about the, the symptoms of a uh, potential major depressive disorder? Yeah, I'll do that uh, r- real quick. So it's uh, a depressed mood most of the day, um, very uh, a, a highly diminished interest or pleasure in activities, significant weight loss or weight gain, insomnia or hypersomnia, loss of energy throughout the day, feelings of worthlessness or inappropriate guilt, um, diminished ability to concentrate and indecisiveness, and then finally like suicidal thoughts thoughts of death are there any of those I know that was kind of fast any any that you want me to repeat 
I can uh, I can also send you my notes later. That'll be helpful. Awesome. Okay. So we also obviously we want to handle cases of depression with compassion. So could could you all please turn to Proverbs twenty five, and could I have a volunteer read Proverbs twenty five verse twenty? Who would be willing to read? Thank you. Mm, good. Thank you. My uh, another translation says it's like vinegar poured on a wound, which I think was was more helpful for me to understand what it's getting at. So, let me ask you guys: What is the principle being taught in this proverb? Absolutely. There are ways that we could respond that are akin to pouring vinegar on a wound, which no one likes. Um, there's also ways that we could respond uh, that would hopefully be more more encouraging and uplifting. And and so how would you how would you apply that principle to a situation where you were talking to a brother or sister who's depressed? Any thoughts there? How would you apply this principle to a situation? Yeah. Probably if you had like some good things going on in your life, maybe not that wouldn't be the time to share with that mm. person with them. You just kinda of find out what's going on in their life and take the focus mm. off of yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Kind of like reading the room, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Makes me think of what you know, it says singing songs to a heavy heart. Yeah. Yeah. Wanted to really stop and, and listen and enter, try to enter what they're experiencing. Yeah, any other thoughts? Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, so we want to be careful. We, yeah, we want to be wise. We want to be understanding. We want to bear patiently and lovingly with our brothers and sisters in this. Yeah, Harrison. It's, um, it's kind of what, what we see with, uh, um, with Job and uh, elsewhere. Mm-hmm. The friends, they, when they first saw the calamity, mm-hmm. they just sat in silence for a week. Yeah, you know, a whole week. Yeah. It's crazy. um, It's you know like one one of the things with depression is they can feel like a burden, like like they're a burden to everybody. Mm. Yeah. And it'll cause them to get more isolated. Yeah. And it just it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, that's so true. So it um, sometimes just being there is good. Yeah. And um, but and an important thing is it's like the difference between empathy and sympathy. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't want to empathize and that you step in, you just dive into to their pain, and you're just drowning there with them. Yeah. You want to sympathize with them, but you still have. You're still tethered yeah. to reality to where you can bring the scriptures to them to, um, you know, it, it, when the time is right. Yeah, yeah. There's, That's really good. There's a time, that, as Ecclesiastes says, there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. Yeah. And we don't want to get those confused. Yeah, thank you, Harrison. Yeah, that's so true. If you if you end up drowning in despair with your friend, then yeah, you're not going to be able to be much encouragement to them, but... But in trying to enter in, but still being tethered to to the hope, you know, trying to be tethered to God's promises and the hope that we have in Christ, 
you have much more of the ability to hopefully help lift their eyes to him. Um, that's really good. Thank you. And just yeah. with that is um, you, you also have to, to try to take, if you suspect something, you have to try to take some initiative to reach out. Yeah. that burden feeling. Yeah. Every single time um, they feel that way, they're going to feel like a complete burden to you yeah. To, un- to unload what they're going through on you, you know. So it's so they're going to be hesitant to share that. Yeah. So you know, you, you if you suspect something, it'd be good to take a proactive approach yeah. instead of just waiting for them to share. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's a delicate walk. Hmm. So, it, but. It's much better to try and screw up mm-hmm. yeah. than to not try at all. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that, that's so helpful. You're right. In a perfect world, when we're in the depths of despair, we would talk to our pastors, talk to our brothers and sisters, but that's often the hardest thing to do. So, I, I, yeah, what you said is so good. I hope we all remember that, that we, we want to be, you know, keeping an eye on our brothers and sisters and you know, watching over them and, and reaching out to them, especially when they seem to be in a funk. Um, yeah, so I want to I wanna, um, also give, give a few more categories. Uh, there are different kinds of depression, um, different, different psychological labels that are used. These include things like postpartum depression, which, which I, I even have heard that a, a few uh, women at this church have experienced. There's... Um, Seasonal affective disorder, which I think has to do with uh, uh, the changing seasons. There's major depressive disorder. Um, there, there's there's other kinds, but these psycho. What I want to point out though is that these psychological descriptions and labels they can be used, but they're not actually really telling us about what the ultimate cause is or about what the needed cures are. So that's what I want to talk about more next. Um, we're moving on to section B of how are we to understand depression? Because, of course, outside of the church, what's most common is that people will think of it in merely physical terms. It's, it's just thought of as like, well, that's like a disease of the brain, disease of the mind. Um, secular psychologists usually see us as merely physical creatures, would reject the soul, reject the spiritual. We're just brain ignore the body because we know that we are souls embedded in one but we also of course can never neglect the spiritual and the the soul aspects so could you all please turn to second corinthians 4 second corinthians chapter 4 we're just going to read verse 16 who would be willing to read second corinthians 4 verse 16 thanks desmond so we do not lose heart Thank you. What do we learn about mankind from this verse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what what do you think this outer nature refers to? Totally. I, I think that's certainly a part of it, yeah. Our outer nature, our bodies, physically we are wasting away, unfortunately. Age, aging sucks, but it, it happens. And, and then what about, what, what, else, what else though do we learn about mankind? Our, our outer self is wasting away, but what, what other category does Paul give us? Like the things we're dealing with are every day, like our problems or struggles or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's definitely, definitely difficult. Yeah, 
And so, so the outer man is wasting away, but yet he says the inner man is being renewed day by day. What, what do you think Paul's referring to when he says the inner man, when he talks about the inner man? What category is that pointing to? Our soul? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think here it is a good example of the fact that we are both body and soul inseparably. And I, I think uh, it's, it's really important to recognize this. What happens to the body will influence the soul and vice versa. I think of, from, from my own life, I, I see this happen when I have to stay up late a few nights in a row. And I'm operating on like a few hours of sleep a night. In those situations, I'm unfortunately more prone to be short or harsh with my wife and kids. And, and of course, my harshness with them is a sin issue. I need to repent of that. I need to continue to ask God for grace and to strive to be gentle with them. So yeah, yes, of course there's a sin component. It's not okay for me to, to blow up at them just because I'm operating on their sleep. And yet we see the interplay between body and soul here because... If I continue to only get three hours of sleep a night for the, ne- for the next week, then in, even in spite of my earnest desire to fight my sin and walk in repentance, um, I, I'm not exactly setting myself up for success because we, we're not just souls. We're not just brains on a stick. We, are, we have bodies. We, we need sleep. God's created us that way. And so if and when at all possible... Part of my plan of attack should not be merely like uh, prayer and repentance and, and, you know, meditating on God's word, but I also need to get more sleep. I can't ignore that. Uh, with, to ignore that would be to, to me and my family's detriment. And so we need to be careful to not see our, our minds or, or our souls as separate from the body. Um, they're not unrelated. They're not disconnected. So, and also I think another example of this is even when sometimes you'll hear of, especially someone who's, who's elderly and maybe just lost a spouse, sometimes apparently they, they just die from the body shutting down because they lost the will to live. And that's crazy to think about, but that's another example of like our, the interplay between our, our body and soul. So now I want to... Uh, to turn to Psalm 38. Um, Would y'all turn to Psalm 38 and could I have somebody read verses 1 through 8? This is going to be another example of how what happens to the soul may influence the body and what happens in one's, what happens to someone may also affect both body and soul. So who can read Psalm 38 verses 1 through 8? Thank you. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning, for my sides are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. Yeah, thank you. So, who who wants to try to describe what 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 interplay between the body and soul do we see in these verses? Who wants to take a stab at that? How is, how is David affected by his, by, by his spiritual condition? Is there any way that seems to be manifesting? Does his wounds stink and fester? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if that's like physical wounds or if it's if it's a uh, more poetic. But yeah, I I think there does though seem to be at least some even in his poetic description. I think it's safe to say that there is still some physical feelings. Um, I, like I think especially with when it says my sides are filled with burning, um, I'm, he's groaning. He, he's, you know, he's experiencing uh, the Lord's rebuke in such a way that, that I think that it's safe to say even in, in his poetic language, there is some physical feeling. Um, I want to real quick read read one other uh, one other verse from Proverbs that I think highlights the interplay between the body and the soul. It's Proverbs 17, 22. It says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So again, this is, this is uh, I think, poetic language. Uh, it uses, it's using like metaphor, but, but it speaks to the fact that, that the, the condition of our souls will often have an effect on, on our bodies. And I also think, so we're going to, again, talk more about the specific effects later, but I think it's also interesting to think about that even in cases of actual clinical depression where um, it seems that there is something physical, a physical component, that doesn't necessarily mean that it started out that way. It, it could have been spiritual or soul issues that, that led to that illness of the brain. You know, maybe persistent unforgiveness or persistent uh, doubting uh, and discouragement, doubting God's God's promises, um, that can lead to these harmful patterns of thinking that can have effects on the body. And so, part of what I, what I hope you come away with is just that this stuff is is complicated, and, and we don't want to neglect either uh, the physical or the spiritual in thinking about these things. All right. Who can read? Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And could I get someone to read verses 7 through 10? Who would be willing to read verses 7 through 10? Thanks, Harrison. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. So, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, to the end of verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you. So obviously this is not a passage just talking about depression. But he does, he does mention weaknesses, hardships, and I think depression is definitely an example of like a physical or mental weakness um, often. And so how could this passage be encouraging to a depressed saint? What do you guys think? Christ will sustain. Yeah. And bring you through to the end. Yeah. That's so good verses is uh, uh, Philippians 1.6 when Paul says, I am confident in his very yeah. that he who began a good work will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Hmm. Man, Harrison, you must be looking at my notes, bro. <laughs> Stealing my thunder. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, anything else? Does anyone else have any thoughts on how this passage would be encouraging, could be encouraging to a depressed saint? I think one of the greatest fruits of depression is hopelessness. 
and yeah. feeling that there's no way out, that there's no way forward, and mm. that verse speaks directly to that being alive. God's grace is sufficient no matter how deep the well, no matter how thick the darkness, that there is hope in Christ um, in that. So um, even in the midst of that deep depression, a, a verse like that, that, like that ray of light that just pierces through the darkness, even if it's just a ray, it's sufficient to cause hope mm. to arise within your heart mm. and to keep you pressing on. So. Yeah, amen. And there's the beauty of Reformed theology, and is that God decreed this to happen, mm -hmm. and you know everything that enters a believer's life is from the hand of God. There is no purposeless evil. There is no purposeless suffering, and it's that's yeah. one of the the problems with our. our fragmented worldview today is that we, we isolate everything, we compartmentalize everything. It's like, no, <laughs> God has um, woven this tapestry and um, you know one of the ways to um, to encourage a, a um, depressed brother or sister is at the beginning of this book is uh, in chapter 1 verses 3 to, to 7 he Paul talks about how um, that it, God um, uses us to comfort others because of the stuff that we've been through you know yeah. and one of the ways to because what can you say to a person going through depression? You can't really say too much. Mm -hmm. But what you can say is, I don't know what exactly you're going through. I can get an idea. But what I do know for sure is that God will use this for you. Whether it is um, to just strengthen your own faith, or whether it's a strength or, but more uh, more likely than not, it's, it won't only strengthen your faith, but he'll use it, he'll use your experience to strengthen others, and because um, like I've uh, I've gone through some um, some pretty low seasons mm. and um, I remember after I uh, uh, lost my job with uh, Bell Camp. Mm. I was uh, because of all the COVID madness. I um, uh, I was able, I was just walking around and um, uh, and somebody said somebody else came up to me and said, "Are you walking around to clear your head too?" And um, I just said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, no. I'm just walking around enjoying God's creation because it's a beautiful." And, uh, but that got me to think, got me to talking to him, you know, and he was uh, very low because he was a gig worker and COVID, you know, really messed that ass. Uh, and I was, you know, so, and, but, you know, he, he's, he was, um, uh, you know, talking to me about, you know, how, about how depressed he was and stuff. And I was able to, to sympathize with that. And I was able to say, hey, I've actually had a season of this. Mm -hmm. You know, and it wasn't just these uh, three months, but it was two years. You know? And um, uh, so, you know, I was able to, to, to uh, really sympathize with him. You know, and he was mm -hmm. really, he, he was more willing to, to take my words for it as, as somebody who's gone through it, you know, and um, so it's just, it, uh, one thing to remember is that God always has a purpose for everything, you know, and uh, it's like Genesis fifty twenty where he says, where Joseph says to his brothers, you know, what, what you intend for evil, God intended for good, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah, thank you. Yeah. The fact that there is no purposeless suffering needs to be a great encouragement to us. And, and that's, yeah, that is perhaps a, a distinctive of the Reformed faith that, that we can hold at least much more consistently. And man, yeah, I, to, to think that there's just senseless, purposeless suffering is, is very scary indeed. So I'm, I'm thankful that God is in control and that, that we can trust him no matter what. That's good. All right, we're going we're gonna to move on to section C and talk a little bit about some of the factors of why people get depressed. First, we're going to look at some of the spiritual causes because depression always will at least have some spiritual factors involved and in, in, um, causes, I believe. So, so first off, there's the category of sin and guilt, of course. Trying to manage our sin apart from the cross of Christ can easily lead to depression. You could even say that, that you're lucky if it leads to depression, if that's what it takes to drive you to the cross. Um, so so this, is a, this is a big category. I think we even see this in Psalm 32. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it real quick for us. You don't have to turn there. But in Psalm 32, the psalmist says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And so he's talking about his silence about his sin. And in his silence, his lack of confession and repentance at this point seems to have been leading to great suffering um, and despair. And so, so that, is, that is a huge factor that's common. Another factor, uh, well, I guess another example of this real quick is just uh, the example of anger. Um, we can probably all maybe think of people or maybe it's happened in our own lives where we've seen being sinned against and the, the sadness that comes with that plus anger and bitterness that can easily lead to struggles with depression or, or despair. So, so again, we, we want to be careful to, to be thinking about these things like when we're struggling, we want to be introspective and say, okay, what is there unaddressed sin that I'm clinging to? And if so, how can I actually be proactive against that rather than just trying to stuff it down or mask the symptoms? So another, another cause I, um, on your notes. Well, actually, this one's not on your notes, but I think unbelief is also an important category. Um, in unbelief, Unbelief is maybe sometimes a little bit more tricky because it's not as like heavy-handed as a sin like refusing to forgive someone, but it's an important category nonetheless. You know, imagine, you know, the as as believers, sometimes we lack hope, even though we we have no cause to. Like, there's hope on every single page of the scriptures, um, or or we feel like life is meaningless, even though as Christians we're we're literally servants of the Lord of Lords and King of Kings and, and every single small act of obedience literally resonates throughout eternity. Like we have profound purpose yet we struggle to believe that. Um, or, you know, we think that God doesn't care when we don't feel his presence. So, so unbelief is another important factor to think about. Um, simply not believing what God says. Um, Next on your notes, there's overwhelming circumstances, or you could say our reaction to overwhelming circumstances. That's often another huge factor. We don't have time to, to read all of uh, Psalm 42, but, but there's many psalms that are examples of the, the psalmist being chased by his enemies, persecuted by his enemies. They're gloating over him, and this is, this is leading to him crying out to God in, in despair. So, you know, Harrison mentioned the loss of his job being part of what led to his um, season of depression. And so overwhelming circumstances all the time um, can, can be a huge factor. There's also injustice. Uh, in Psalm 73, the psalmist talks about how, like, why are the wicked doing great? Well, here I am trying to be faithful and I've got nothing to show for it, humanly speaking. And so injustice uh, can, can easily lead to depression. Um, and then finally, there's the category of relationships. 
uh, being sinned against um, or putting undue hope in a person rather than God. If, if you have someone that you've functionally elevated to the, the center of your life, you've, then you've basically made an idol out of them. And do not be surprised if that, causes, that leads to depression when you lose that person to death or you lose that person's love or approval in some way. By the way, I, I know we're not going to get through all of this. I was hoping to at least get through the first page. We'll, we'll see if we can. Um, so then the second, number two on, under C is some, some depression. I think often depression at least has some sort of physical causes. These include exhaustion, substance abuse. It could include biological predispositions, persecution and suffering. If you want to think of that as a physical cause, um, perpetual pain, like a, like chronic pain like migraines for example um, or even brain disease or weakness so again this is where both body and soul physical physical things often do play a role and even if it could be shown that someone's depression purely was from physical causes which I don't think we could ever absolute with absolute certainty determine that but even if we could, that does not make the spiritual aspects any less important. Any less important. It's not like, oh, my depression's, uh, you know, due to this, you know, physical thing. So I, I don't really need to worry about like, try, you know, attending corporate worship and, and uh, you know, confessing my sins to God and to fellow brothers and, or sisters in Christ. That that would never be the case. Uh, the spiritual components are always. We always need to take heed and and to strive to walk in humility and repentance and confession of sin and be diligently using uh attending to the means of grace like week in and week out um coming together to worship and and to take the lord's supper um and hear god's word read and preached so so yeah just even if we could which which we can't determine though it's just physical that even that would not make all the spiritual aspects any less important. Um, so there's, I mean, we, we've talked about a lot of different factors and, and that's, I think we need to be humble in realizing that there's usually not a simple cause or a simple fix. So we, we want to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Um, and we want to be really introspective and thorough with how we would uh, prescribe a solution for ourselves or for someone else. Um, you know, it's probably not just you need more sleep and it's probably not just you need to have more faith. It's probably a combination of a lot of things like that. Um, so I want to, I want to briefly touch on the topic in our last few minutes. I want to touch on the topic of drugs, uh, which is a, uh, you know, th this is going to come up in talking about depression um, because I think there's a lot of important considerations. So section D, do drugs help depressed people? Um, psych psychotropic or yeah, psychotropic drugs are often prescribed. They're prescribed all the time these days. And the goal is that they will bring brain chemistry back into balance. And so a, psych a psychotropic drug just refers to any drug that, that affects behavior, mood, thoughts, or perception. It's an umbrella term. It, it includes a lot of different drugs, some that are commonly misused. Like, uh, I can't think of the examples right now. Or I could, but I'd probably just show my ignorance. Um, but anyway, uh, huge umbrella term. Um, and so another thing to realize is that even if the brain chemistry is out of balance, the drug is only um, relieving the symptoms. It's not necessarily, um, it, it's, it's not, actually it's not going to, it's probably not going to fix the ultimate cause of depression. Um, so the spiritual issues or other trauma still need to be addressed, even when, by God's grace, a medicine might help with these uh, symptoms. So in cases in which the cause is spiritual, we need to remember that, it, that we need to... to continue to do that that heart that introspection that heart diagnosis because um medicine although it could relieve things it would not be helpful if it 
if it allowed us to leave things that need to be addressed just ignored. Um, also, it's important to realize that antidepressants do not claim to actually cure depression. Um, and this is another testimony to the fact that we can't put all of our eggs in the medicine basket as believers. Um, so it, it's, it, it claims to help with the symptoms, not to actually fix the root causes. Um, I want to, I mean, I guess, yeah, we are, we are running low on time. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and skip to the bottom. I want to, I want to give you guys just a few main takeaways and then I'm going to leave time for questions, but some of the main takeaways I hope you have, and, and please refer to the rest of the notes, um, as you have time and desire, but some of the main takeaways are one, when you are dealing with some sort of depression or prolonged season of sorrow or hopelessness, make sure that you have a balanced attack. Don't neglect the spiritual factors for the physical factors or vice versa. Um, so you want to be thinking about all sorts of things. Uh, you know, what, what is maybe unconfessed or unaddressed sin in my life? Like, where am I struggling to believe God? Do I need to go see a doctor? Do I need more sleep? Do I need more exercise? Do I need to, do I need to be more open about what I'm going through with my pastors or with, with another trusted friend? You want to have a holistic approach. Um, there's, there's all sorts of things that are worth pursuing. So try to have a holistic approach. The other, uh, another takeaway is, um, as Harrison, I think already spoke to really well, we need to have compassion for struggling brothers and sisters. We need to be ready to bear with them, listen to them, and encourage them, be with them. Um, and we want to be careful not to presume an overly simplistic solution. Um, that doesn't mean we can't encourage them towards certain things, but yeah, we don't want to just presume, oh yeah, you just got to you know, sleep more. You just got to believe. Um, we all got to believe. And we're, none of us are going to believe perfectly until the new heavens and the new earth. Um, finally, just again, encourage you to, if you are struggling, please talk to fellow brothers and sisters. Um, share, share what's going on. Um, and then lastly, I, I want to the final takeaway is just that we need to ultimately hope in God because we're not promised a depression-free life. And I think it's crazy to think about someone like Charles Spurgeon, who was so, he was a genius. He was mightily used by God. Um, and yet he, he had unrelenting sorrow and despair for much of his life. I'm sure he would have been diagnosed with all sorts of you know, depressive disorders and stuff. Um, and, and it's, it's crazy to think of such a mature, faithful saint going through such dark despair for many, many years. And so, so ultimately our hope cannot be in the avoidance of this suffering, this kind of suffering on here on earth, but our hope must be in Christ who has loved us and laid his life down for us so that we may be reconciled to God. Um, I want to, I want to leave you with, with one, one verse, which is, uh, Romans eight thirty two. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So we can rest in this. God did not even spare his own son for us. And if he did not even spare his own son for us then no matter what kind of depression you may be experiencing, you can trust that God has not abandoned you, that he will even somehow use that for your ultimate good, and that, that your, this um, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. So we have time for maybe one or two quick questions. Um, did I see a hand? Was that a hand, Barani, or were you just? No. Oh, well, okay. Any any final question or final thoughts um, about this topic? Oh. I don't have a question. I just wanted to say I appreciate yeah. the um, 
even addressing this topic because I think a lot of churches shy away from it because it's so stigmatized. Mm. I mean, even the last few years, I've read about pastors who've taken their own life. It's like mm. that shouldn't be a topic you should be afraid to broach. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah, thanks. That's encouraging. Yeah, and I, I would love, I mean, if, if you want to talk more after this, I'd love to talk. I, I didn't get a chance to share more of my personal experience. I, I really was planning to, but I just did terrible with uh, time. So I would love to talk about this more if, if anyone would like to. Um, yeah, any, any final thought, Harrison? Or Harrison, then Megan. Okay, Megan, then Harrison. That's really helpful, yeah. 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 Like you think about Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. Um, he was greatly used by God. So, of course, Satan would want to take him down. And I think he attacks our faith mm-hmm. uh, in similar ways. Yeah. Yeah, that goes along really well with the Second Corinthians 12 passage about Paul's thorn in his flesh that the messenger of Satan was sent, and yet God didn't, didn't just give him relief from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Megan. And then, Harrison, you got the last word. <laughs> and just to, to build on that, you know, Ephesians 6 talks about the take up the shield of faith, which is able to extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. But uh, with Spurgeon, he said that uh, I am the subject of depression so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to the get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go to. But I always get back again by this. I know that I trust Christ. I have no reliance but in Him, and if He falls, I shall fall with Him. But if He does not, I shall not. Because He lives, I shall live also. And I spring to my legs again and fight with my depressions of spirit and get victory through it. And so must, uh, and so may you. Uh, and so may you do, and you must, for there is no other way of escaping. Hmm. Is that like a Spurgeon Bible or something? Spurgeon. No, it's just notes. Oh, okay, nice. I couldn't tell if you were like, got some Spurgeon study notes or something. Um, okay, cool. Let me, let me close this in prayer, and then I'll let you go. Father, we are weak. We need you. We believe. And at the same time, we cry out that you would help us in our unbelief. Have mercy on us, Lord, and give us the grace to remain faithful even in, in the midst of trials like depression and, and sorrow. And help us love one another in the midst of that as well. Pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys.